Good morning, church. It's Palm Sunday. It's a beautiful day. It is a wonderful time of the year, and we are so glad that you joined us today um, and that we hope that you're feeling connected and um, hopeful in this season. Um, today marks the first day of, of Holy Week, and this is um, the, the, the passion, they call it the passion of the Christ. And uh, when we get into this week, what we want to do is pay close attention to the last words and actions of Jesus as he prepares for his death, burial, and soon coming resurrection. And so we're in the last week of our sermon series called I Must decrease and what we're saying is we want to embody the way and the life of Jesus um, as he heads to the cross that we are saying that this is our number one pursuit is to be like Jesus and so um, if you remember from week two we taught about John Jesus's cousin who's the forerunner of Jesus who's preparing the way for Jesus ministry what he said he said that he must increase that he must become greater and as he becomes greater I decrease as he increases and that is our prayer for this season that is how we want to be formed as a community and so um, just a little background for our passage today. I want to set the scene for the passage. And like we said, today is Palm Sunday, and Jesus is bent on a trajectory towards Jerusalem, and he's on and he's finally approaching Jerusalem. And this is this is the capital, this is the city of David, where all the prophetic images and words of God restoring. Um, create all the, of the world through this city, and Jesus is is riding in on a, on a donkey, and the people see him coming. It's Passover; everyone is descending on Jerusalem, and they see Jesus riding in, and they began to coronate him. They began to acknowledge him as the coming king, and they throw down their cloaks, and they're waving palm branches, and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this is the theme and, and the arc of Jesus' ministry that God would send his son and make do on the promise that someone would always sit on the throne of David and rule and reign and judge the earth with equity and justice and love and and ripeness and so this is this symbol of Jesus coming to Jerusalem is as welling up pride and hope and expectations and then you would you would think that this would be the day that the religious leaders and the elder and the elders of the community ought to be excited for you would think that this would be the day that they would be elated for, that this would be the moment that they would go, yes, it's happening. But instead, they're, they're angry. That they're, they're, they're upset. It says that they're, in, they're indignant because this response to Jesus and the person of Jesus is not the image or the expectation they had of God's deliverer. They were looking for this military leader 
who came in the, in the ways and the traditions in which they were leading the people. And Jesus didn't come in as a military leader and he was teaching the ways of Torah, the ways of God in a way that was different. And they were challenged by this. When I think of, of Palm Sunday, I, I often think of it as a very flowery day, right? Where we, we hand out palm branches and we're singing like high praise songs and it's the kind of a church holiday and this is this is a beautiful time in the history of the church but as we look a little bit closer at this the events of this week we also see that it's full of some of Jesus most toughest criticisms to those who are supposed to be leading people to the presence of God these are some of the most toughest criticism to those to claim they know God best and so during this time of, of Palm Sunday where Jesus comes in, the, the, these first couple of days we find him turning over the tables in the temple. We find him prophesying that the temple is going to be destroyed. He, he curses a fig tree for the appearance of bearing fruit, but actually being barren of no fruit. And Jesus, what he's doing here is exposing the, the hearts and the state of the leadership of the priesthood, of the religious leaders who are supposed to be pointing people towards God. And so what these, what these leaders want to do as we, as we get ready for this passage is they want to they discredit Jesus. Because if Jesus is right, then their whole world is crushed. Their influence, their power, their moral high ground all gets toppled by Jesus. And so these chief priests and elders, they need Jesus to be discredited so they can continue to hold their positions of power, so they can continue to keep their conscience clean before one another and before others. And so they ask him a question in verse 23. They say, by what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? See, when we don't like being told something, we don't like what we're being told or we feel threatened, we want to question authority, right? I've been in stores and people start barking out orders at me and I'm like, who are you? Do you, do you work here? Are you, are you the manager? If not, then I'm not listening to anything you have to say. And, the, and this is the, this is the, in a sense, it's the same thing these leaders are doing at Jesus's rebukes. They're saying like, who are you? How do you have Who's giving you authority to speak to us in this way? And essentially they're saying, because we don't really want your authority. We don't really want your leadership in our lives. Jesus, and he, and he hears this and he hears their heart. And he hears the question behind the question. And he goes into three parables. And we're just going to look at this first one. But the question behind the question, the heart of their question is that they are rejecting God's anointed one. They are rejecting God's Messiah and Jesus' his, his warnings in these parables is that this might cause them to miss their opportunity to enter the kingdom. And I, I think a lot of us have, uh, we hold a, an inaccurate picture of ourselves for good or, or for bad. For me, I, I often think that I was a better child or student or athlete or employee or mentee than I actually am. 
See, what we get to do with this parable is we have the opportunity to honestly ask ourselves, who are we in this story? And that's essentially what Lent is about, that we're asking the question of, am I really following Jesus? Am I really following him with my whole life? Or, I, or am I just giving the appearances of following Jesus and I'm doing my own thing? And so Jesus begins this parable with a question. He says, what do you think? He, he's saying, place yourself in this story. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. I think we can all relate to this story. We've all been told something and said, responded in one way and did the other. We've all, we've, or we've asked someone to do something and they've either responded positively or negatively to us. We've all had an authority figure, some type of authority figure in our house, in our lives. And for some of us, especially that are parents, we understand what it means to be an authority figure or at work where we have to give directives. And so I know... When I think about myself, I think that I'm more, way more willing than what my actions prove. I go, yeah, 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 of course I do that. And in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, yes, I think that I'm okay. And then I actually look at my actions and they don't line up with my words. And this is what Jesus is getting at in this passage. And I just think of my, of my role as a parent and I want my kids to display the, the values and characteristics of our family. And, and I find myself saying to them often is that, uh, you, you guys aren't doing what I asked you to do. And I, I long for you to, to do this and to act in this way and, and to behave this way and to love each other this way. And I long for you to want to. And so Jesus, he follows up this this first part with with the question. He says, which of the two did what his father wanted? I want you to, I want you to sit and just to contemplate this question. Which of the two did what his father wanted? And this this is our question. This is the question of, of the day. This is the question that, that we should walk into our times with the Lord every day. Father, what do you want? Father, what, what do you want? What do you want done? How do you want me to be? How do you want me to follow you? How are you calling me to follow you? Am I actually responding to what the Father wants? That's at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to do what the Father wants. Jesus said that he only does what he sees the Father is doing. And so he's saying, like, this is how we ought to live. To follow in the way of Jesus is to do what he does and to respond to what he wants. To do what the Father wants has to do with our hearts. Here's what Jesus is pointing out to these Religious leaders, he's saying, you're not as open and, and, and willing as you think. He says earlier in, in Matthew 15, he says this, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
He said, you're giving me all words, you're giving me all externals, and actually your heart is not engaged. You're not following me with your heart. Jesus says what actual, the actual state of your heart is determined by what comes out of it. Our ultimate actions in adversity, trial, and triumph displays our heart's allegiance. Matthew 12, 50 says this, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of my Father is acting like someone who's a part of the family. See, these leaders were under the illusion that they were saying yes to God, but inwardly they were cold and calloused and cut off from God's heart. And, this, and they ultimately rejected, and they were reje rejecting the person of Jesus. See, when John was baptized, and it says that they stood afar from the Jordan River, they didn't think that John's call to repent and be baptized applied to them. That they, they didn't see a need to repent. Repent means to change your mind, to change directions. And I think one of the hardest things for these Pharisees is to, to see someone beneath them or below them to call them to repent because they were standing on high ground because of all the things they think they've done for God. They resisted and distanced themselves because they saw themselves in a different light. I think one of the hardest things as a, as a parent is when your kids get to the point to where they, they want to show you that they don't need your help anymore that they don't want you to parent them anymore. And I, and I know that I had my own rebellious teenage years where I distanced myself because I thought I knew a better way. And I just want to let you know that, that this triumphal entry of Jesus is also a heartbreaking moment for Jesus. It says when he entered Jerusalem that he, he looked at Jerusalem and it says that he wept. He wept because he said that he longed to gather his children, but they resisted. Luke 19 says it this way. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. How I wish today that you of all people. He's saying that you have, who have been learning of Yahweh since birth, generations upon generations of family following God, waiting for this moment, and this moment is here, and you don't even recognize it. You're resisting and you're rejecting it. Listen, we have an opportunity and an open door right now to do what the Father wants, to open up our hearts. And I get it. We want God to change the world, to change this pandemic, to, to change racism, to change mass shootings, to get rid of all these things in the world. We want Him to change others, our roommates, our family members, our, our neighbors, our co-workers. But God is longing to change us first. What is God calling you to do? 
What's he bringing to your heart right now as you hear this passage, as you read these words? What is he bringing to your heart right now that he wants you to confess, that he wants you to bring to him, that you have already, you're already kind of making a decision, no, I'm not going to do that. I want you to, to not resist that. See, the son did the father's will. He was unwilling at first. He was resistant at first, but later changed his mind. See, and we all fall short. We all have moments where we resist Jesus' call on our life. And the encouraging thing about this story is that you can change your mind. That you can change your heart. And at every change, at every turn, is an open door to meet the Lord. Is an open door into the kingdom. John's message was repent, for the kingdom of God is near. It means go towards it. Turn from the direction that you were going and go towards his kingdom. It's near. It's approaching. It's accessible. But to go the other way is to resist and to miss it. Jesus was talking about the greatness of John the Baptist. And he goes, and in Luke 7, in the verse 29, here's, here's the response. He says, and when they heard this, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right for they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in religious law rejected God's plan for them, for they had refused John's baptism. As smart and knowledgeable as they were, they still rejected God's plan for them. See, our, our, our yeses are, are demonstrated in how we respond to Jesus. Our, our, our yeses are how we take steps toward him, how we turn away from things that he's calling us from. Like those are the yeses that God is longing for us. Those are the things that begin to unlock our hearts and God reveals who he is to him and demonstrates his kingdom to us and through us. It's the humility of saying, I've got this wrong, God. I've been missing you in this area and I turn from it and I ask you for mercy. One commentator says about repentance of, of this son is that the idea in this context involves more than just a change of mind for the son regrets his initial response. Jesus saying, see all these people who have initially rejected God in their lives, who have been on the outside of the community, distant from God, they have turned to God because they had regret and sorrow for how they responded to him. There was regret and sorrow in the choices that they made in their life and at the, and at the call of Jesus, they were their hearts were broken and they said, God, we want you. And Jesus is, actually says, and because of the way they responded and turned around, they're first into the kingdom. Verse 31 says, Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you, tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but tax collectors and the prostitutes did. 
And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Jesus says, though their initial response was no, they've changed their heart to Jesus. They want what the Father wants. Jesus is saying, so the kingdom is theirs. The kingdom is theirs. Matthew, in the Beatitudes, Matthew 3 says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This parable could also be called the parable of the willing and unwilling sons. So which are you? When you think about today, when you think about really what's going on in your heart, the day-to-day, these last 365 days, have you been willing or unwilling to respond to the call of Jesus? I know that it's been hard and we've been at home and we've been on lockdown. It's been really easy to indulge in different things and just like, I'm going to get to that later. Yeah, I'm going I'm to engage in Jesus when things get back to normal. What if Jesus is calling you right now? Are you willing to turn from the direction and get up from where you're at and pursue him? Have you given him permission to lead every area of your life? Have you given him permission to shepherd you? John, when he was baptizing and the Pharisees were standing afar, he said this to him in Matthew 3. He says, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turn to God. Prove by the way you live. Jesus longs for us to to represent the kingdom of God here on earth. How we live matters how we live is, is a proclamation of our faith. And so if we're saying Jesus is Lord, it should somewhat show up in our lives and how we live. Like that, that we're turning our hearts to the Father, not as a one-time act, but as a, as a daily practice of saying, Lord, I give you my heart again. I give it to you again. My heart is yours. We want to be a people who really follow Jesus, not just the idea of Jesus. Following Jesus, it, it gives us, is giving him permission to change our hearts and our minds, to challenge the things that we've built our lives upon. I wonder in what ways that, like these leaders, were, were missing God's invitation and presence. I wonder if we're missing his invitation and presence because things are not what we expected. Because he is trying to speak to us, reveal himself to us in ways that we don't expect. Now I just want to remind you, it's Palm Sunday. Jesus is here to take his place as king. And no, he's not riding in on a stallion. He's coming in on a donkey. No, he's not coming in with, with military might, but he's coming in to lay down his life. And regardless of who you are in the story, the unwilling son, the religious leaders who are trying to justify themselves that are trying to, to, to clear their names of the way of Jesus, whether you're the Roman soldiers, no matter who you are in this story, Jesus comes to Jerusalem on this 
day to lay down his life for everyone in the story. And so this is the good news. This is the good news that no matter how your year has gone, no matter what's going on, whether you've been kind of drifting from God for the last few months or years, that you have an opportunity right now to still say yes to the Lord. Because that's the good news, that even while we have breath, we can say yes to Jesus. And so as we embark on Holy Week, let's be open and say, God, and honest, say, God, show us our heart, reveal to us the ways in which we're resisting you. Call us back to yourself. Let us want to want you. And for some of us, it may be time to say, like, Lord, I'm just going to recommit myself to you. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, your kingdom is at hand and you call us to repent. So Lord, we just say we turn from our old ways. You have made us new. You've called us into your kingdom. You've laid down your life for us. And so we just say, Lord, we want to follow you all the way and bring your kingdom in our lives, Lord. Wake up our souls and our hearts to your embrace, to your invitation to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, we just want to say we hope that you have a blessed week and join us for Good Friday. Um, join us on Easter. We have spaces still available. We're going to be meeting live, the Bright Music Hall. Um, if you need to get connected, please reach out. We have prayer every Thursday. And we just, we want to love and serve this community. We want to serve our city well. And so please do not hesitate to reach out. Um, let me say a benediction before we end our time. Lord Jesus, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within reach of your saving embrace. Clothe us in your spirit that we reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. And may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. Amen. Have a blessed week. Thank mm -hmm. you.